it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode 485 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we have a lot of stuff to discuss. We have to touch on the COVID stuff. The NBA and the NFL have both been hit extremely hard this week. 50-plus uh, players are currently in health and safety protocols. We're recording this. On Friday, a lot is obviously subject to change in the coming days, but we'll discuss what, if anything, the NBA can do, especially in the wake of this new Omicron variant. We're also going to hit some of the latest trade buzz, particularly with regard to Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. And we're going to revisit the MVP conversation as well that we had a couple episodes ago, because a lot of it has been picking up steam this week, and we want to talk about Nikola Jokic and Stephen Curry in particular. Before we get into all of that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can also find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We're being hosted by Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today is the only person not in health and safety protocols at the moment, Morton Jensen. How's it going? And, and it was a close call, too, because we thought yeah. my youngest had it, and he tested negative, fortunately. Good. So, but, but, but you know what? It, that doesn't mean that life is, is easy just because you don't have COVID. Because, look, I had two hours of sleep because of that little munchkin. He's running a fever. So he was just oh. kicking me in the head all night long. Oh, and no. then... He, of course, couldn't make it to daycare because he has a fever. So I was home with him all day long. And you know what? When you had two hours of sleep and then you have to spend like 10 hours at home with a little sick one. You know what, man? That'll that'll make you grow some some hair on your ass. (laughs) I'm I'm sure it would. I I, my condolences. I hope he feels better soon. Um, yeah. Thank you. He right when as soon as his mom came in the door, he was suddenly a little bit better, which okay. makes me question my ability as a father. But okay, sure. let's that's, let's get to the NBA instead. I think that's just how <laughs> all fathers are, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, let's. We have to. We mentioned this last time. We alluded to it. You know, it's only gotten worse in the yeah. ensuing days. Basically, name a player, and they are probably inactive right now. And it, this is you know some of the biggest stars in the league got Giannis in health and safety protocols, mm. Russell Westbrook in health and safety protocols, Anthony Edwards, Zach Levine, half of the Brooklyn Nets, including James Harden. Um, the Nets. One of those credit. guys is not like the other. <laughs> I know. I know. I said biggest names and stars. I, All right. I hedged my bet there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's putting the Christmas slate in jeopardy. 
based yeah. on the current protocols. Uh, you know, we're and it just it's kind of a farce to see teams with eight or nine active healthy players having to play games. The Bulls, you know, had two of their games postponed because they have 10 players in health and safety protocols, but the Brooklyn Nets were able to field a team of eight did were not so lucky. You know, they still managed to beat two teams despite being so undermanned, which is a credit to them. Uh, but we're going to see this, you know, Orlando just pressed, put a bunch of players in there. The yeah. Lakers now have five or six, I think it's, it's just everywhere. The Kings had one, a big outbreak yesterday as well. And the I'm Celtics, assuming... the Celtics canceled was it shoot around. Oh, I didn't even see that. that no, they today. canceled an event. I don't know if it was like the media media availability after a shoot around. And oh, okay. then just a couple of minutes ago, the Celtics also announced that uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez has entered health and safety protocols. So, like, will this is far from done? Like every single time my phone vibrates, it's like a, a notification from from Voge or Shams, basically saying, "Here's another guy. See right now, right now, while oh, we're talking, see." <laughs> The Lakers, okay, Shams just announced, or well, it came from David Meneman. The Lakers say that Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't played yet this season because of a bone bruise in his knee, has also entered the health and safety protocols. Perfect example, right? We're talking oh, about it. Here we ha- Here we go. These are coming with only a few minutes in between. And, and yeah. it's going to happen concurrently. Like, while we do this podcast for an hour and a half, I'm actually going to keep my eye on Twitter. <laughs> To keep a we'll running see. tally of how yeah. many players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so what can the NBA do here more? I think that's the question moving forward where, you know, I, I've seen people say the NBA needs to shut down, needs to take a break or yeah. some people saying need to go back to doing a bubble. I think some of those are completely unfeasible. Others are right. unlikely, but no, they, they could pursue them. Like the bubble is just not going to happen. Let's just get that out of the way. Right, right. No way, no how. The players don't want it. The league doesn't want it. You can't go back to Disney World. Disney World's still open and Florida's pretending like COVID doesn't exist anymore. Not going to happen. Right, the, right. So so why is the two-week thing such a bad idea? Because that was one of my proponents and you were in my DMs going, no, this is a bad <laughs> idea. Let me know. You you're you're the the husband of a brilliant doctor, so you have more insights than I do. Tell me why a two week break is just a dumb idea. I don't think it's a dumb idea per se. Like, okay, it, it would be a responsible thing, but I don't think it solves anything. Like, if we are framing it in the context of everyone take a two week break and then we right. come back and. Things are going to be hunky dory. We're not going to have outbreaks anymore this season. That's where I have kind of a problem. And maybe that would be the case. Like from what right. we're seeing, the data coming out of South Africa right now, where the Omicron variant was first discovered, it this this wave does seem to rip through pretty quickly, like in a matter of weeks rather than months. So maybe that would solve things, but I'm also of the opinion that it probably would not especially because I don't think, you know, you tell the players, all right, we're taking a two-week break. Do you think the players are all going to stay at home, locked away, their families can't see anyone else? Like, there's a strong chance, just given how contagious this particular variant is, that even if you shut down the league for two weeks, you're still going to have more players testing positive, especially, you know, it's the holiday season. Like, people had 
holiday plans, Christmas plans, or going on vacation or whatever. Like, I just, I would be surprised if that actually solved anything. So here's my thinking. One is, on in a normal season, um, players wouldn't really have any time off. They might have, you know, Christmas Eve off or something like that, sure. But they wouldn't have a week off to go to freaking Cancun or whatever. Like, that's, <laughs> right, that's right. not in the cards. So the league could play a little bit hardball here and just say, look, we are coming down hard if during this two-week break you come out and you do something irresponsible. Like, if you go all, all auto-porter on it and yeah, you go to yeah. a club and, like, all those things, like, we are going to spend you for, like, 25 games. We're going to rip that paycheck away from you for 25 games. I don't know. Something really tough that incentivizes players to, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to just stay my ass in, inside for two weeks. Like, maybe that's part of it. And, and like, I want to say I, I, I'm under no pretenses that when play then resumes that everyone everything is going to be hunky-dory. My point was more along the lines of at least it resets. Like, if yeah. everyone comes back after two weeks and everyone is, you know, past COVID or Omnicaram or whatever here, but, I mean... He, like that's a start, right? That then you at least can maybe go a couple few months until you have to install a <laughs> secondary two week break. Like I, I get this isn't perfect, but what is under these weird ass circumstances? I mean, look, let's just let's just be real. This is going to be a thing for years. I mean, yeah. getting a plan or developing a plan is going to be crucial. I mean, it it feels like every solution we were seeing in both professional sports and hell, even from politicians in some countries, it's like, yeah, but this is all going to be over with in a couple months. Like, right, what? right. No, it's right. like, what are you talking about? We're we're literally going into year four of this. Like, literally. Yeah. What is what are you talking about? So for me, it's like the league needs to set up something that's a little bit more permanent. We need right. a solution. Yeah, this is like we need we at some point we will transition from pandemic to endemic. Like we are never going to be fully rid of COVID at this point. Right. No health expert, no doctor is saying you know, one day everyone's either going to be vaccinated or be infected. And then suddenly there's going to be no more COVID. Like it's just that we, we lost that battle a while ago. The whole goal is to make it such that healthcare systems don't get overloaded. And, you know, hopefully these new strains that keep coming out and new mutations, new variants become increasingly less lethal. That's the best case scenario. And then, you know, you get sick and it's just like you have a cold for a couple of days and you're fine. You're not going to the hospital. Great. I don't know that we're there yet. You know, again, based on it, like this Omicron thing is still so new. That's part of the problem. Like, you know, I think speaking for myself, the first time I heard of this was Thanksgiving. I feel like that was the first time it really started to pick up steam. So we're talking like end of November, three weeks ago realistically yeah that's so we, that's true i was in i was in paris with my wife at that point when we first learned right. about it that was the end of november so yeah it, this is brand new you're absolutely yeah. right so we just don't have a ton of data yet we don't have a ton of information about how this specific specific variant is behaving we have some preliminary data especially coming from south africa it seems that is extremely contagious more contagious than any of the other variants we've had so far but hopefully potentially less lethal 
than some right. of them. So if if we are moving in that direction, that could be construed as a positive where, you know, yeah, most of these guys, especially the ones who are vaccinated, if they catch it, they might be like feel crappy for a couple of days, but we'll hopefully be fine afterward. We'll hopefully have no long-term ramifications. Like, mm. you know, we're not, I, like, I don't want to hear that a guy catches this and then has to use inhaler for the next three months. Like that right. none of us should be rooting for that type of outcome. And so I agree with you. Like the NBA needs to have a plan of whenever we do transition from pandemic to endemic, how do we approach this? Like, if you know, are there separate rules for vaccinated plus boosted versus just vaccinated, no boosted plus versus unvaccinated players? And what are those specific rules? Or if you're asymptomatic and you test positive, are you allowed to continue playing? Which the league has begun discussing. I think this was Mike Vornikov of The Athletic reported this on Thursday, I believe. Um, they've made no decision yet. My question to the league and to any health expert that has been advising them, and it goes back to my question from March 2020, is if you're asymptomatic and test positive, are you still at risk of spreading it to others? Right. That's, you know, that is still the fundamental question. Like the reason you're pulling these guys out of games is to prevent them from spreading it to their teammates, their opponents, the referees, the people on the coaching staff and the front office. You know, hopefully they're not getting in such close contact with fans that fans are at risk, but you're trying to just prevent larger spread. So that's right. why we're pulling these guys out. And then, you know, like, do we need to go back to daily testing, twice daily testing on game days? Do you need to have more restrictions in terms of indoor masking or, you know, what they can and can't do on the road? Uh, like, can they leave their hotel room? Can they go out to restaurants that they're vaccinated? There are different rules going into the season for Vax versus unvax, like do we all have to go back to that sort of lockdown thing? And these are all things that the NBA has to collectively bargain with the players union who has pushed back again. Like I think if the NBA had its way, it would be more draconian, but the players union has pushed back on a lot of the NBA's efforts. Like I think the NBA would have mandated vaccines by now, would have mandated booster shots by now. And the, the players union for whatever reason has been resistant to a lot of that. Yeah, which is a really bad look by the way. I realize yeah. that unions are there to help, you know, the <laughs> the workers, which in this case will be the players, but look, you're not really helping anyone, especially in such a high publicity league where you're taking actions that are definitely going to be used against you come CBA negotiation time. Like the media won't forget that during that period of time, that that will right. be a constant reference that this is the players union that apparently doesn't care about COVID safety. Like this is going to be a thing. And I think it's short sighted of the players associations to, to act this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. I mean, this is this is super complicated and not something that is solved over the next couple of months, maybe not even the next couple of years, really, because it's all so unpredictable and certainly not by two guys running a podcast <laughs> but, right <laughs> i mean oh no we actually have all the answers That's... we all have, yeah so yeah. so one one thing i actually wanted to to pitch you here just as mm-hmm. an idea what about a two plus two format which is so the season starts up you play two months and then you have a two-week break then you resume play for two months 
you'll have a two-week break. And that is, like, just set in stone. Like, even if you don't have a major outbreak, you mm-hmm. still just go two weeks. That is how we do it until we uh, we, we we reach the, the end of this thing, like when we reach the endemic, so to say. And is that that two-week break, is that to give you some leeway if you need to reschedule games, you can squeeze those in into that two-week break otherwise? Like the planning process? Yeah, like let's say, you know, what the Bulls have going on right now. Let's right, say right. we're in one of the two-month stretches and the Bulls have 10 players in protocol and can't play games, so they get postponed. Like right. would those games get pushed to that scheduled two-week break? No, that wasn't my thinking. My thinking was basically reset period. Like that's the the idea, right? So let's say you have 40 players who are in health and safety protocols after two weeks, or sorry, after mm-hmm. two months. Then you have a two week period where hopefully, again, where it becomes very draconian, where there are very, very harsh lines that you have to follow. And hopefully within after that two, two week period, the league starts back up again and you are at zero, hopefully. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the ultimate outcome if there are yeah, you, you don't know sometimes, but at least that's the goal. Then you play another two months. Like, And yeah, I get that if games are being postponed, the two-week window would actually be smart to actually play some of those games. But then you kind of run the risk of that spreading, right? Then what if the Bulls, in this case, like if someone is... is like if someone catches COVID on the road from a fan or a referee or whatever, then that whole thing starts back up again. I'm just kind of thinking you need to have those multiple breaks over the course of a long season for this to be manageable because like let's look at the situation right now i don't even think we have a full tally but it's like 60 plus players now right in the league 50 tom tom haverstrow of meadowlark media tweeted this this is 2 45 p.m on friday said according to the latest official reports there are 51 players in health and safety protocols which is about 10 percent of the league but he said All right. some teams haven't updated in recent days, so it could be even more. Right, and we just had the Shams report about Hernan Gomez. Right. We also had Kendrick Nunn, so that's 53. Yeah, and and Anthony Edwards went in. Oh, and Michael Porter Jr. for a third time um, yeah. as well. I, I thought, I, I thought according to him, Brian, that he couldn't get it anymore, that he was <laughs> in better shape than the vaccinated people. Wasn't that the quote? I know him and Joe Rogan. Who knew these amateur epidemiologists? Yeah, I, interesting. My my only counter to your, I like the idea in theory. My only counter would be the virus doesn't give a damn when you schedule the two week break. So yeah, like, you know, two weeks right. into your two month season or to your two month chunk, like there could easily be an outbreak, and then you're, you know, you're, you've got a month and a half left where you've got the same problem that the NBA does now. But I like I right. think it's a Overall, this is just all to say that there is not an easy solution here. Like, you know, I think more testing and more masking, pushing for vaccines, pushing for boosters, all things the NBA should do. And hopefully the players union becomes more open to that kind of thing, especially as they see the NFL doing, you know, navigating these same kind of waters, how they approach you know, the asymptomatic vaccinated players who test positive will be something to watch. I would not be surprised if we hear more about that in the coming days. Like, unfortunately, this is just life now. So, you know, as, as much as we would love to never talk about COVID again, 
this is just how things are and hopefully it won't be like this forever it won't be like this for very long like hopefully this this is just a couple week thing and then we get back and we don't have half of the league right you know either depleted or in health and safety protocols themselves but uh man i i no, but feel... it ruins the competitive balance as well right because yeah it, it's really like oh god i could just imagine some of the NBA skeptics will be like, oh, it's almost a good thing you have COVID because that thing makes things more unpredictable because <laughs> if a superstar is out or whatever. But I mean, yeah, like it's such a weird time because then you, when you sign guys, you don't really know if you have them for the playoffs. I mean, sure, you, you never know because someone can sprain an ankle or you can have a, a, a severe injury. But this is this is different. Like mm. you can le- legitimately go into the NBA finals and within the first couple of days, your team can suffer an outbreak and <laughs> suddenly you're missing like three or four guys in an, in an NBA final series. Then what? Right. That's going to yeah. change. That could, could change the outcome. It's it's yeah, it's all very, very unfortunate. And I I think you're right that it's really about, you know, as long as the league tries to do the best job possible, maybe the two weeks that I brought up, maybe they should just be not necessarily scheduled, but available, like blocks that you can move around for whenever they're, so they're planned, like you bake it into the, the schedule of the season, but you're just kind of say, all right, we know we can take this chunk and we can put them in at certain mm-hmm. periods during the course of the season. I don't know. I don't, I, I see, that's the thing. We don't really have a good solution yet because everything is so, it's so fluid. Yeah. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Well, let's pivot to actual basketball analysis yeah. for the rest of this. While we still can, because who knows how long this will last. Right. And uh, I'm still going to keep us updated if something takes in. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Zach Lowe of ESPN went, I don't know if viral is the right word, viral on basketball Twitter at least. Uh, yeah. for a conversation that he was having on the ESPN NBA Today show about the MVP, uh, you know, where the race stands right now. We we just had our awards pod a couple episodes ago, so we're not going to rehash everything we said here. But I wanted to touch on two of the four guys. You know, when, when we recorded that, we said it was a pretty clear tier of four guys at the top. And then, you know, a Big gap between them and anyone else. Those four guys are Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic. Um, if you're just going by numbers, and this is what Zach was saying as well, 
Like if you remove team record from the conversation, like just hypothetically, Jokic should be number one on your board. Yeah. It's just that MVP doesn't usually work like that. MVP typically also takes into account team record because, I mean, we saw the inverse last year, ironically, where Stephen Curry was putting up just absolutely bananas numbers, but he was on a mediocre Warriors team. So he wound up finishing in third place. But, you know, the guy averaged 32 points per game last year on 48% shooting, hit 5.33s per game, six assists, five and a half rebounds. Like his statistics screamed MVP. They were right in line with his actual MVP seasons, better than some of his MVP seasons, even. Um, it was just, you know, team record was held against him. Like it's going to be against Jokic now. But, you know, what do you think of like Jokic? You think he's not getting the respect that he deserves this season based on what he's been doing? No, I see. So that's the thing. I sort of get it because he, he, at the end of the day, you and I, we have Jokic number one if the team was in the playoff picture or had a little bit more than a 500 record. They're actually in the playoff picture right now. They're, they're right. eighth in the West. But what I mean by it is we usually um, select MVPs from higher tier teams. You know, yeah. we we used Russell Westbrook's lack of team record back when he won the MVP. I think the Thunder won 46 games. Like, mm-hmm. that was a legit gripe that both voters and fans and pundits had about him winning the award. So, but he did win the award despite being, you know, six seed and winning 46 games. So if the Nuggets win 46, hell yeah, I'm going to be standing first in line arguing for Jokic. <laughs> Because then the, the argument is right right there. I mean, if Russ could win it with 46, so could Jokic. I think the question is, what do you do if they have to play the play-in tournament to get in? Like, right. do you then take that into account? What if, God forbid, they miss the playoffs altogether? Then what? Can you justify having an MVP on a non-playoff team? I mean, it's you would have to break with protocol, but Brian... Considering how much issue I usually take with NBA awards, I might not have a problem with it. Like, he is, hands down, right now, the best player this season. And I love Giannis. I know Giannis is is doing everything. But right now, this season, Jokic is the better regular season player. And it's not even close. Well, I mean, this is to put into context where Jokic stands compared to the rest of the league. And if you don't like advanced analytics, just tune out for the next two minutes. But <laughs> I, I, I think it does speak to, you know, the gap between him and everyone else. Right now, he has a PER of 34.3, which would not only be the best of all time, it would be the best of all time by more than two points. Yeah. Giannis is second at 30.4. Jimmy Butler is third at 26.9. Box plus minus. Nikola Jokic is number one at 14.6. Giannis is second at 9.7. Then Jimmy Butler, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant round out the top five. Value of a replacement player. Nikola Jokic, number one at 3.2. Giannis, second, 2.5. Steph, third, 2.3. KD, fourth, 2.2. And then Jimmy is in a three-way tie, 1.6. So... 
all of those scream Nikola Jokic is just putting up ridiculous win shares per 48. He's at mm-hmm. 3.309. Rudy Gobert is 0.292 in second place. Dunks in three is the estimated plus minus. Jokic is number one at plus 10. Steph is plus 8.1. Giannis is plus 6.8. KD is down a little lower at plus 5.6. Below Gary Payton second at 6.1, which I thought you would enjoy. That's so, nice. Yeah, like I I understand. Oh, wait, you're not done, sir. Oh, which which one did I miss? I would I would like I would like for you it's not advanced per se, but I would like for you to read his per 100 possession stats. Ah, uh, okay. Let's because see. The, if you haven't read them, Ooh, they are going Christ. to blow your mind. That's exactly <laughs> what I was waiting for. Oh. Per 100 possessions, Nikola Jokic is averaging 40.2 points, 20.6 rebounds, 11.3 assists. <laughs> it's decent. Like, are you freaking kidding me with those numbers? 40, 20, and 11. Yeah. Wow. I mean, come on, right? So here's what I... All right. I like, I'm just going to keep coming back to team record being the only thing holding Mm -hmm. him out of the number one spot on the leaderboard. But like I, you know, our friend of the podcast and our our mutual friend, Josh Eberle tweeted this um, yesterday morning. You know, he said, I don't know how, how to not make this sound pretentious, but if Jokic isn't in your top three for MVP, you have nothing of value to that as the MVP conversation. And I hear that. Like I, I really do. I, I, I don't know which of the other guys I would personally leave out of Steph, KD, and Giannis. Like I would, I would just expand that and say, if your top four is not Steph, KD, Giannis, and Jokic, then I don't right. know which league you've been watching. But it wasn't the NBA because I think those four guys are so clearly the four leading candidates right now. And that isn't to say that, you know, they're running like someone else can't force their way in here. Like you can make a case for Rudy Gobert. You could make a case for Jimmy Butler once he's healthy. No, it's possible. But I think now that we're, you know, a third of the way into the season or even more so like it, there is a clear tier of front runners starting to separate themselves from the pack. And I think those four guys are all it. So if you're leaving out right any one of them from the top four, I've gotten beef. But like if you're saying, you know, if your leaderboard is Steph, Katie, and Giannis in some order, if you're factoring team record into it, I get it. Because that you know all four of those or all three of those guys are either on a number one or number two seed in their respective conference right now. Yeah. I hear that. <clears throat> I mean I am going to be honest with you. Last time we talked about this, I was like team record. I'm just not so sure anymore. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm really not. And as to who you should take out of the top three in order to include Jokic, I, I, I mean, Steph, I would guess, or KD. But even so, I'd feel filthy doing that because <laughs> they're actually playing on on teams that are. Great. And and here's the here's the thing. 
Like, I, I think we are underselling the supporting cast that Steph has, even though we did talk them up the last time. And, like, I think they've been good. Like, Jordan Poole is legitimately good. Andrew Wiggins is legitimately good. There are a lot of... Dr- Draymond, obviously. There, There's a lot of talent there. But it isn't the loaded Golden State Warriors that we used that we were used to seeing, right? There's right. still no clay. You know, KD left. It's not that team. So in that respect, I find it difficult to remove Steph from the equation because like, when you're winning to this extent and when you're so clear-cut, you're the best player on the team, I mean, you just deserve to be in that conversation. Whereas you can go to Brooklyn and you can go, yeah, KD is absolutely better than James Harden, but it's still James Harden that he has alongside him, who is, despite not being the best version of himself, still averaging 21 points, eight rebounds, and nine and a half assists per game, which is, like, from a raw perspective, still a hell of a line, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know, man. I just, I, I would also feel filthy if Jokic didn't get it. So the question to me is, how do I feel the least icky when the end of the season arrives? Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that. Like a two-way tie like with someone? <laughs> I don't know. It's like, or, I really don't know. Can we do a four-way tie? Is that allowed? Yeah. I mean, look, here's the thing. You know what makes this problem go away? The Nuggets winning. All right. Let's go. I was going to say just the rest of the season. Like, we can have right. these debates all we want but you know we've still got 50 plus games so right you're right like if you know jamal murray is hopefully knock on wood is going to come back at some point this season it sounds like yep. they're targeting somewhere around february or march so you know, let's say he comes back right around the all-star break you got two months of him if they make a hard charge up the standings in those two months and the nuggets finish as the number four seed and you suddenly can't use team record against Jokic like you can right now when is the eighth right. seed okay now now he enters the picture for real or like you know not just the picture but like the the probability of him finishing as the actual mvp like right now i'm looking at FanDuel's updated odds steph is still the favorite of plus 145 kd is plus 210 Giannis is plus 850 Jokic is plus 1600 and then you might as well just Please don't spend money on any of the next three candidates: Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, LeBron James. Just oh yeah, no, no. Ven Venmo us instead if you are yeah. considering throwing ten dollars on the. Just don't do it. Just give us the money, and we'll we'll record yep. a special podcast for you. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. I so so question though. When it comes to Jokic, right? If he begins to actually improve upon his stats, which... God, how? <laughs> right. But, I mean, look, we didn't think it'd be possible to pull off this PER either. Yeah. So, what if he somehow, some way, becomes even better numbers-wise, but he still struggles to win because he's playing with a bunch of you know, replacement players, essentially? Yeah. Like... There's a breaking point where I just go, screw it. Like, screw it. Give it to him. Yeah, because this is not – it's clearly not like Kevin Love in Minnesota, like good stats, bad team type of thing. <laughs> right. right. This is – if Jokic wasn't on this team, they would be competing with Detroit and Orlando yeah. for one of the worst records in the league right now. And yeah. that's with you know with Murray out, with Michael Porter out, to be clear. Like, fully healthy Nuggets right. – 
y'all know I think are legit title contender. But yeah. like, yeah. if Jokic was out and Aaron Gordon was the best, like Aaron Gordon and Will Barton are leading this team, you're you are, you know, probably in the running for a top five pick. So I hear that argument. I would just also say, can't you make the same argument for really the other three guys as well? Like remove KD from the Nets. Right. They might be, they might not be you know worst team in the league material because they still have James Harden, but Kevin Durant has so clearly been the best player on that team. Remove yep. Curry from the Warriors, remove Giannis from the Bucks. Well, Again, we have like, removed Giannis from the Bucks because he's in health and safety protocols. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, we'll I see. guess we'll put this to the test. No, but like so so here's the thing though. I get what you're saying. But at the same time, none of those guys right now are pulling in the advanced metrics that Jokic is. None of them have the off-on splits that Jokic has. So that needs to carry some weight. I get what Sack is saying on ESPN. By by the way, side note, remember when you and I had that conversation about ESPN and how you need to improve good debate? Then we had that delicious clip of Sack actually going viral where it was sound logic and it was still passionate and it was debatable. Like ESPN and other major medias can do this all the time if they want to. They choose not to. This was one time where they chose to actually do it and it was great and it was fantastic. More of that. It was good. Um, But back to it, like Jokic just, he's such a record breaker at this point that you have to... And and it's not a triple-double record break. Like, one thing is, that was the logic behind Russ, right? Oh, the triple-double. The triple-double is very meaningless. The advanced metrics for Jokic here, just in terms of impact, both on team record, impact when he's on the court, impact when he's on the bench, I'm sorry, but that is they are, those numbers are far more important. And I don't care if you're a real hooper or a well, if you got a bag out there and you go, well, the triple-double is more important. No. No, you're wrong. I'm sorry. You're wrong. Like the the advanced metric for Jokic here is so much more indicative of of talent and influence than a triple double is. Sorry, right? But that is it, that's just the way it is. For Jokic to have an all time per season, Brian, I'd feel so dirty if he didn't get the MVP. Yeah, I mean, I will say. During that one, the rust season where he did win MVP, he did also like he had a PR of 30.6, you know, let the league box plus minus by almost two points. Like, there is something, about, yeah, there was some of that's true about how these metrics are calculated that the specific combination of high volume scoring, rebounding, and assists, right, look really good. In advanced metrics, but there are enough advanced metrics out there calculated differently that yes. you can't fool all of them. And you exactly. know, Jokic, Jokic being ahead in all of them would suggest that, like, yes, that and hell, I mean, just <clears throat> if you are scoring at that volume, rebounding at that volume, and assisting at that volume, and you're not, you know, unlike Russ, Jokic is a much more efficient player, He's shooting almost sixty percent from the field, <laughs> turning the ball over only three point four times per game. You know, Russ yep. that season. Five point four, right? Uh, I have his advanced metrics pulled up. Let me see his per game. Uh, yep, five point four, and he shot only forty two point five from the field. So there were a lot more, even with Russ's 
statistical impact in points, rebounds, assists, the turnovers and the field goal percentage hurt him where it's not going to hurt Jokic. Right. What was his on-off numbers compared to Jokic, by the way? Oh, I don't even... <laughs> uh, it can't be good. Can't be good. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You did bring up Steph, so I wanted to touch on him quickly as well. Because you know, I, when I, I replied to Josh's tweet and I said, you know, which one of these guys are you going to leave off? And he replied to me privately. I will not share his response. But other people. Um, oh, can I? Because I know his response. Can I hang him out then? No, please don't. Oh. Please don't. Um, but other people replied, like, you know, they said pretty clearly, Steph, which I thought was interesting, both from, you know, the perspective of, A, he's the front runner in the odds market, and who was it, Bontemps of ESPN had the straw poll recently, and he was a clear front runner there as well. Um, but then there were, you know, the people were pointing out, like, well, he's like less efficient than he's been before. And, you know, as you said, like these aren't the dynastic warriors, but having Jordan Poole there, having Andrew Wiggins to take the step forward that he has, like his teammates are better than they were last year. So he doesn't have to carry as much of the load. I would just have two counterpoints to that. One, he's taking a higher volume of threes than ever before. Like, mm-hmm. What is it? His, yeah, <laughs> his three point rate right now is sixty six point four percent. He's taking sixty six point four percent of his shot attempts from three. Maybe that falls a little bit now that he broke the record. Maybe he was gunning a little bit for that. I I don't think so though because he took twelve point no, seven threes per so game either. last year and he's at thirteen point four this year. So it's just yeah, this is who he is. He's one of the. I mean, he is not not one of. He is the greatest shooter of all time when you combine yes. volume and efficiency. And, you know, and that's where I struggle with, even if you, you know, sure, he's not averaging 32 points per game like he did last season. But we talked about this with Andrew Wiggins an episode or two ago. Like, Andrew Wiggins on a different team is not the player that he is. Andrew Wiggins is benefiting from all of the defensive attention that you have to pay to Stephen Curry. And that goes for every single player on the Warriors. So that's where it becomes hard, I think. You know, like metrics-wise, you could make a pretty good case for Steph. As I read out the advanced metrics earlier, and he's, you know, either second or third behind Jokic for most of these. So combine that with 
the Nets or the the Warriors being tied for the NBA's best record right now, like you can make a pretty convincing case for him. But then it's also just the eye test of like he's making his teammates so much better, much like Jokic does, right. much like Giannis does, and much like KD does. It's just you know, it's where you have to not only consider per game stats or advanced stats. It's also like just watch a game and see how he bends defenses and that opens things up for his teammates. And that's not going to show up in any metric that I'm aware of. Like, I don't know if there's a gravity score anywhere. It'd be a cool thing to come up with if such a thing exists, but it probably exists, but you know what? It's probably below our pay grade. Yeah. Right. 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 So yeah, if someone wants to share uh, Stephen Curry, like he must have the best gravity in the league. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think that is a feather in his MVP cap. Like if, if you remove Stephen Curry from the Warriors, do we get this version of Andrew Wiggins or Jordan Poole or Draymond Green or you know, some of the bench guys who have been as good as they have been this year? Like, are, are they all thriving to the extent that they are because they get to play with Steph and because Steph is not only drawing double teams a lot of times, but like, you know, especially because the Warriors are so movement heavy and he's darting around screens. Like it just causes so many defensive breakdowns. Am I wrong? If I say that I'm hearing you right now, argue for Curry over Jokic. I mean, so last time when we recorded the quarter season pod or the quarter season award pod, I said right now, Curry would be my MVP. Because I, you know, I think you have to factor in the team record here. Right. But I think I said, if I was going to bet on someone, I was going to bet on Giannis moving forward. Like, I think Clay's imminent return, which sounds like it should happen in the next couple of weeks at this point, you know, they're, they're not going to throw him back for 35 minutes a game. It's going to be a very, very, very gradual ramp up. But if he is even close to the clay of old and the Warriors have been this good without him, adding that player back to the mix means that Steph, we might go back to, you know, early KD Steph Warriors where Steph just isn't playing in fourth quarters anymore. Right. At least against a lot of bad teams. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if, everything goes down across the board his number of shots his number of points his number of minutes so i think you know this might be the peak of his mvp candidacy but right now i think if you take the entire picture into account and that includes team record yeah i think it, you know you can at least make a case for him or i don't think he's so clearly below jokic KD and Giannis that it's like, you know, an obvious no-brainer that he's in fourth place. I, I don't think that's the case. But with the caveat that if the Nuggets were just slightly better, you would still have Jokic as a bullet for your number one, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if let's say the Nuggets had, if they were where the Jazz are, without yep. question. Probably what even if... They- if Memphis, Memphis, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. See, that's that's what I was waiting for you to hear because in no way, shape, or form would I allow you to pick Steph over Jokic if the Nuggets were better. Like this is yeah. all the winning argument 
that I, I, that really comes to play in here because Jokic is just better. I, I mean, he is right now. He's just better. And and if that's the the way with, that we are framing the MVP debate, that needs to be taken into account. But again, but this again, this leads me back to my eternal gripe with this award. Right. How like because if we're looking at most valuable, that's Jokic. His on-off numbers prove it. Like, it, it's right there. Black on white, right there. I mean, case closed. If that's if we take it literally, right. but we just, we attach all these sentiments. Like, okay, the player has to play X amount of games. The team has to be in the top half of, of, of the conference and they have to be championship contenders. And we, we, we just attach so much stuff to the MVP award that I would really like to get things streamlined. The NBA would hate it because that means our discussions would stop and then, you know, all kinds of communicational flow would just end and they wouldn't like that. So they like to keep it this way because that makes me mad. And that's the point. But yeah, right. Yeah. The NBA, its sole purpose is just to troll you. It really is. I mean, I, you're, you're joking, sort of, but it's not even a joke. I mean, they love this kind of thing because it, it generates interest. But I, you know what? I I think my gut feeling, because you reminded me of this before we started recording, that when you said you had Steph as your number one, I had a gut feeling that was like, really? Yeah. And it's because I just kind of had this foregone conclusion of Jokic, and you was like, you, you kind of talked me into it. You're like, well, Steph is winning. You know, Denver's only—I don't remember what they were at that point in time, but they were not good. It's like, yeah, that matters. And I went into that preconceived notion that we have of what an MVP is supposed to be. Oh, the winning and all that. Screw it. I'm back on Jokic. I mean, what he's doing right now is just so insane. I Sack convinced me. Like, it's, he's right. This is yeah. where we, we need to bring nuance to the table. And the nuance is Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are not playing. <laughs> Nikola Jokic is playing with a bottom five caliber support, supporting staff right now. And that's no disrespect to Will Barton and Aaron Gordon but they're just not that type of guys. He is right. lifting them from being a bottom feeder to being in the freaking playoff picture. Yeah. So that is how I'm gonna look at it. I have Jokic. I I am back on the, I am back on the Jokic wagon. I am going to say screw the wins. If Russell Westbrook can win the MVP award by winning 46 games, you know what? That's good enough reason for me to stick with Jokic. It's reasonable. I will say, in terms of the on-off splits. So I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now. Right. You know, with him on the court, they're plus 11.7, which is in the 93rd percentile league-wide. And that is a number I'd feel very comfortable using to justify Jokic's MVP case. If we're looking at the on-off differential of plus 31.1, which is obviously in the 100th percentile, like I don't – it was the same thing with Embiid. Like I don't want to give them credit – don't I don't want to give Jokic credit for the team fa- completely falling apart whenever he's not on the court because that speaks more to flaws in roster construction when it comes to a B. Jokic is really just injuries, but you know, right. like when he's off the floor, it's most probably bench heavy lineups and their bench just effing sucks <laughs> because you know because Monte Morris has 
had to move into the starting lineup because yeah. Jamal Murray's hurt. So it's a you know, trickle down effect. Um, but like, I don't want to like use the Nuggets having a terrible bench as part of Jokic's MVP case. So like, that, that I don't want to use on off. I don't want to use on off numbers. I just want to use his on numbers. If that makes sense, that's fine. Yeah, I, I hear you. I'll, I'll take okay. it then. I'll find. By the way, we have a, another health and safety protocol. Great. Davion Mitchell of the Sacramento oh. Kings. Well, well, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it does. Um, so see that so far we've recorded for fifty minutes, roughly. That's yep. two. That's two. So that is one. That is one every twenty-fifth minute so far. Well, this will ramp up uh, more than likely. Good. Uh, good. Good. So yeah. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus all right let's move on to some trade talk more it's been a while since we checked in on ben simmons because nothing is happening with ben simmons um, right i really like harrison barnes Harrison Barnes. Do you? He's actually been kind of rocky lately. <laughs> yeah. And now he's got half of his team in COVID protocol. I know. So that's I know. Well. Don't remind me. I. Yeah. It, it, it's it's the joke that I want to keep on uh, living, but you know what? It's it it's not working anymore because he's been it's been a little bit bad recently. Taking on water, taking yeah. on a little bit of water. Yeah. yeah. Um, the the reason I want to bring this up to two things really. So Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report had you know a. Uh, latest NBA trade buzz on Tuesday ahead of this December 15th when all these guys become available. And the the tone I got from this article really made me think when Maury went on the radio, you know, whenever he did back in October, November, whatever, and he's like, look, this could go four years. Like, we are not <laughs> backing down here. If we don't get the type of player we want, we're just not going to trade him. Right. You know, Jake had a couple paragraphs where he says, you know, the Sixers have always operated with the expectation that a true star will ultimately come available. He mentions Damian Lillard, who, you know, continues to say all the right things about wanting to stay in Portland. But Jake said Sixers and other teams around the league remain optimistic. He could eventually request a trade prior to the 22-23 season. He also mentioned Bradley Beal, James Harden as possibilities next summer. Uh, yep. mentioned Jalen Brown as well, because it sounds like all this stuff, you know, the article from ESPN that came out uh, a month ago about, you know, Brown and Tatum, he, you know, Jake talked to some people as well. And it sounds like uh, he's a speculation about Brown's availability has notably increased around the league. It's an ongoing topic of conversation among sources familiar with both players, but he said, 
moving Brown would appear highly unlikely until after this season seems more plausible ahead of 22-23. Right. So with all of that context, Mort, the Sixers are a godless abomination right now. Yeah, they just lost pretty. to the Miami Heat without Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero. And then on the second night of a back-to-back against the Brooklyn Nets, who again only have eight healthy players, and they just signed Langston Galloway using a hardship extension. So they had nine healthy players on Thursday. Lost to the Brooklyn Nets as well. Tyrese Maxey did not play in that game, but otherwise, you know, mostly healthy. Uh, and George Niang didn't play in that game either. But like Embiid played, Curry played, Thibault played, Danny Green. Said, like they they shouldn't have lost either of those games. So they they suck right now. Mm-hmm. If you're Daryl Morey, are you feeling more pressure to just end this Simmons thing by any means by February 10th, the trade deadline? Or are you willing to punt this decision into the summer on the off chance that you could land Damian Lillard if he grows frustrated or get James Harden in a sign and trade, get Bradley Beal in a sign and trade, see if you can pry Jalen Brown out of Boston. Which avenue are you leaning toward? So GM Mord instead, because I, I don't want to talk on behalf of Maury because okay. clearly okay. Maury is not nervous about this. I mean, that no. I think that's, that's pretty obvious he's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's not so much I would be nervous. Like, I, I think what I would be focusing on is Embiid, because Embiid is my best player. He is my franchise cornerstone, and I am unsure of his longevity. Mm-hmm. I, I really am, because he's a heavy man. He's a heavy player. He is a guy who's got a history of injuries. So you just don't know how long he's going to keep up his, his physical prime. Like, do you do I trust that Embiid can play like he is right now into his mid-30s? I, I don't know. I can't tell you. I mean, obviously, we can say that about every player in the league, but there are some who are maybe more inclined to pick up certain injuries because of weight issues or just because of raw size. I mean, it's not Embiid's fault that he's seven foot two. He's a, he's a big dude. And he... I, I want to be, what's the word I'm looking for here? I, I, I want to be sure and certain that my mm-hmm. true shoot superstar here in Embiid feels as though that I have built a competitive team around him. That is yeah. important to me because I want to keep him happy. And I also know that him being happy plays a huge part in me becoming a championship contender, and us becoming a championship contender. So... Do I look at Ben Simmons and go, let's get best offer possible right now so we can actually try to salvage this season and see if we can actually become a part of that conversation? I'm definitely looking into it. And then it comes down to what am I willing to accept? So me personally, GM Mort is probably willing to accept less than Daryl Morey. Having said that, I am fully understanding of Morey's approach here. I, I... fully recognize that if Jalen Brown is there or if in the future Bradley Beal is there, whoever, that he would want to look at those names and Mm -hmm. see, can we do this thing? But where Maury and I differ, I think, is in our evaluation of Ben Simmons as a trade asset. I think if Ben Simmons had been this fantastic, positive trade asset 
with great trait value, he would have been gone by now. The fact is, teams have not stepped up. There are 29 teams in the league that could bid on this guy. 29 teams so far have not gotten up to the plate and said, you know what? He's worth it. Let's pull the trigger. Let's send out all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Not a single team has done it. And all it takes one. We make that joke every single time we run into the, the free agency period because like, all it takes is one team to mess up or one team to overpay for someone. This hasn't happened. Right. And I'm like, I'm sorry. At some point, we also just got to face the fact, which is Ben Simmons' reputation has suffered. And it's not just the private, you know, the, him being a drama queen, him being entitled, this thing. No, no. It is him as a basketball player as well. What that Last time we saw Ben Simmons play basketball, he did not take a layup, which went global. And I'm sorry, it shouldn't mean as much as it does, but it was because it was the punctuation mark of a career that's been littered with those type of moments. Right, right. I mean, what do you do here? Do you just say, okay, we recognize he's an all-class defender, like top-of-the-line defender, but we also recognize he has a lot of weaknesses offensively, so do we just kind of shut our eyes and say, okay, there's a sunk cost approach here where we just go we know we can't get what we could have gotten two years ago we just need to accept that get what we can and move on which is also healthy for the organization i might add or do we just drag this out and make everyone just a bystander in the meantime and i'm not a fan of the final approach i mean i i understand why he does it but i'm not a fan of it yeah i mean i wrote about this at forbes this week because it's just the vibes that I've been getting from, you know, Jake's article and the, from a couple other places as well, that like Maury does not seem to be bluffing here and you can, right. You know, it, it's, I think whether you agree with that position or not, everyone is going to be different in that regard. Um, it's really tricky. Cause as you said, like if you wait until the off season, the number one thing is making sure and be, is on board with that decision because he knows if you're wasting that $30 million in roster space and you're not getting that production out of Ben, like this Sixers team without Ben Simmons as currently constructed is going nowhere. There is no trade that is going to salvage them. It's going to make them uh, a championship contender unless it involves Ben Simmons going up. Like you're not flipping Tobias Harris for an impact player. Who's going to change anything. Right. You're drawing dead unless you do the Ben Simmons trade this year but at the same time if you do ben simmons for cj plus you know a pick plus one of the young guys and you could have ended up with you know james harden who maybe he gets you know as the year goes on he starts looking more and more like himself or you could have you know bradley beal with the Wizards slipping like they have lately maybe he decides you know what maybe i do want out of washington so maybe right he goes out or you could have gotten Jalen Brown. Maybe all this stuff coming out of Boston is legitimate and they would have been willing to do Ben for Jalen or some variation of that. Like, I think Maury is approaching this and I don't necessarily think it's the wrong decision as this is my last big opportunity to upgrade the roster around Joel Embiid. Like Sam yeah. Hinkie set up this roster with just a cornucopia of assets and they have increasingly pissed them away. You know, his predecessors 
made a number of mistakes over the years and really depleted the trove to the point that he has to now build it back up to what he has to some extent by getting Seth Curry on the value deal that he has, getting Danny Green, who I think if he had decided to shop, you know, he would have plenty of suitors for Danny on that deal. It's two years, 20 million. The second year is completely non-guaranteed. Getting Tyrese Maxey at number 21 last year. You know, Tyrese Maxey, like, they're now talking about, you know, like, they might not view De'Aaron Fox as a significant upgrade over Tyrese Maxey. And that might, you know, if that trade held interest for them at one point, it might not anymore. So right. it's it's really tricky either way. Like, I, you're not going to know the right answer. Like, if if they do pull the trigger on a Ben deal, barring just like a absolute godfather offer for him between now and the deadline, like if if they somehow get one of the guys they're hoping to land in the summer, then okay, there we go. But I I don't think that's going to happen. Like if they're holding right. out, wouldn't that have this, been there by now? Yeah, like if they're holding out for this top twenty five guy, I just don't think that that type of player is going to be moved during the season. That's the type right. of thing that tends to happen during the off season. So what is Ben? What is, is Ben a top 25 guy? In the because, regular season or the playoffs? See, see, that's the thing. That's actually interesting because you're right in the regular season. I think he, you could definitely make the argument, but in the I regular mean, season, he probably, or sorry, in the playoffs, he probably drops like 15 spots. But, but he's like he's more. a, th- you know, back to back to back all-star. He's a three-time all-star. There's 24 yeah. spots in the all-star game. Like, by that definition, he is a top 25 player in the regular season. Right. I agree with you. In the playoffs, his, effic- his effectiveness decreases. So I don't think you could consider him a top 25 player in the playoffs right now. So if isn't that- it flawed logic from Maury's side if he's like, yeah, I want a top 25 player for this guy who's not necessarily a top 25 player? Right. Yeah. I mean, well, it depends on is he willing to include other stuff? Because the Sixers have right. most of their picks. They owe one to OKC. But it uh, sounds like he expects people to include stuff. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> could you imagine yeah. if we get a report out like, no, 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 I want Jalen Brown, but I also want. <laughs> oh, my like, God. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I don't. I, I think he wants to, like, for players who he doesn't view as being the same caliber. So, like, I, right. you know, CJ McCollum has never been an all star, he's close. He's yep. in that next yep. tier, but I don't think you can consider him a top 25 player. So for that, he wants a young guy and a pick or multiple picks. And, you know, I think if the offer, I forget who reported it at this point, but, you know, if there really was CJ plus little plus a pick on the table, like that's fair value for Ben Simmons. You know, going back, dating back to last offseason, a lot of people thought just CJ versus Ben straight up was fair value like that cj package is better than i think a lot of people would have imagined for ben and it goes back yeah. to what i've been saying you know for a while now like we haven't heard details of what's being offered for him like i right. don't think you know everyone who is like making fun of the sixers or making fun of ben is like oh no one wants this guy he sucks what like, I don't think no one wants him. We keep hearing that teams want him and they're interested yeah. in him. We just haven't heard what the offers are 
or we keep hearing about these like ridiculous Maury counter offers where he wants like three picks and three pick swaps. So I think he's been getting decent to good offers. He's just shooting for the moon. And I, I understand it from his perspective. It's just, yeah, it's, it's so tricky, man. It's like, I, no, but I, do not I, I get it to it. an extent though, because like you were talking about, or actually I was talking about, but Joel, like, yeah. again, th- this comes down to Joel because you want to feel the product here. You want to feel the team that actually encourages and motivates Joe to to keep on trucking. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this matters. And and it, this, you know, Ben was thrown out of practice. There's been a lot of, you know, let's just say it. I mean, there, there's been a lot of issues with him, in, in, in including but not limited to the fact that he's very entitled. Those reports yeah. have come out. Those we, we both read Jake's book as well. I mean, th- those things have come out. He is a guy who thinks of himself as, you know, LeBron. Sort of. I'm not saying that's exactly how he views himself, but like it's it's in that ballpark. And I think now more than ever, teams are so afraid of having personalities on their teams that can be in any way destructive. We are seeing that when it comes to draft time. Just 15 years ago, man, you would draft a guy who had a lot of issues just because he was talented. And then the guy would flame out in the league because those type of guys who have a lot of those red flags on personality, they could never really maintain an NBA job. So, you know, you see Javaris Crittens and, I mean, that, that kind of wrote itself. Um, but, but, like, nowadays, you're just going that route of, like, we want high-character guys who are low-maintenance, guys that we don't have to motivate, guys we don't have to kick in the, you know, in the ass to get going. <laughs> right, right. So... So I think teams are gauging, do we really want not only to get a player of Ben in who has these hurdles that he has, where we have to play a very, very hands-on role, but do we also have to, do we also want to invest $147 million into this? Yeah. It's like, because this is, this is not just a financial investment. This is an investment of time, roster integration. Like what is our ceiling going to be? What is Ben? Where is Ben Simmons going to take us? It, it like it, it's just there's so many layers that I think goes mostly ignored because, you know, ha ha trade value. Like it's, right. but but I I think it's a legitimate concern that teams have, which is, does he fit our team both from a mentality perspective, from a personality perspective, from a you know, playing style perspective. Because he is a complete non-shooter. Let's just let's just cut the shit here. Like, he is still freaking afraid of taking threes. And yeah, I'm going to say afraid. I'm not even kidding. I know we did the whole coward thing. I'm not going to yeah. call him coward. But I don't believe for a second that his mind is this supercomputer that he always likes to promote. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm seeing percentage points all across the court. And if I take a three, that's a bad. Shut up. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I don't buy that for a damn second 
it's because he doesn't want to fail because it's gotten into his own head. We saw, uh, I, I don't, we've talked about this before. We saw when he did his first summer league, when he took pull-ups in the mid-range area off the dribble, leaning one way. Like, he looked like Julius Randle, like, leaning into, like, his 18-foot shots. And you're telling me, like, he won't even take a standstill three because percentages? Shut up. Shut up. That's ridiculous. And and it's like, teams know this, man. Like, what are we trying to achieve here? Well, it, it goes back to the whole, like, the Giannis clip that went viral during the finals last year with him at the free throw line he's talking to pj tucker and he's like dude i don't give a shit about missing two free throws like you see where i came from yeah. and now now having read Mirren's book it's like oh yeah that that makes total sense like yeah. yeah missing two free throws is not but so you know when everyone like i i saw someone tweet this the other day about like you know ben simmons we we he's only like put into this box because of positional designations but Giannis and draymond don't have the same problem. And it's like, I get it from a physical perspective. Right. But they are so like Giannis and Draymond are wired so differently yes. than Ben Simmons. And we are just, we just need to stop. Like now, you know, everyone who accuses like analytics people or like people like Maury of just like playing NBA 2K, it's like, well, you are the ones who are not considering the human aspect of this because yeah like if you just had three athletes of that frame and height and athleticism then sure they could all play the same way but Ben Simmons he's not going to play like Draymond he's not going to play like Giannis so it's I hear you it's it's a tricky not only is it tricky for the Sixers to figure out how to navigate this it's like other teams do have to figure out how much are we willing to pony up do we think this guy could be you know, the, the, the foundation of our franchise, like, you know, I've been lusting after the Spurs and DeJounte Murray for a while yep. now, but like, do the Spurs want to build around Ben Simmons? We saw Houston say no. They, you know, like the Rockets, the Sixers offered Ben Simmons for James Harden and yep. the Rockets said, no, we would prefer a, a, you know, much more pick heavy. Like we are rebuilding we yep. don't want this guy. We don't want to be constrained by this guy. So, right. you know, can the Sixers find a team? Like, I don't think it's going to be a team that is selling off, like, you know, the Blazers and Dame. Like, if they do end up trading Dame, do they want Ben Simmons as the return? Or are they ready to just rip that thing down to the studs? Like, I think it would have to be a team like Boston if they're willing to trade Jalen Brown or or Brooklyn if they're willing to do a sign and trade for Harden in the summer. It's like well, we're remember, in now. Remember, Ben can't go to a winning team. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Expectations have to be low. Has to be a small media market. Right. Yeah. But yeah. no, no. But he had he what, what what? How was the framing? He wanted to have time to develop. Yeah. Something. Oh my god. No, but um, no. I, I'm I'm not even kidding, Brian. Like I'm not even trying to to joke around. Like that that shit matters yeah like i'm cursing yeah. because I'm, I'm i'm annoyed because here's the thing like do you think if you and i read that quote don't you think that 29 other teams didn't like of course oh, they did of course i mean it was a running joke for like three days on twitter of course right exactly so so that, like if we are kidding ourselves if we don't think that teams didn't go in having a meeting like did you see what that like what simmons said like, right yeah. well like, you, is you that, have is to that what we're pursuing you have to hope it's just like a rich Paul power play gone wrong. Sure, 
But given what he has been like personality-wise over the past few right. years, then honestly, and given that I as a team would have to invest $147 million into him, I want to be damn sure before I do. So yeah. I'm not even taking that quote lightly. I am taking yeah. it dead on serious if I'm a, if I'm a team. Because, yeah. like, what am I supposed to do with that if that can't right. comes true? All the, red, all the red flags around Simmons are there, and I think we are all doing ourselves a major disservice by ignoring them. I also agree with you. It's not something I think you said today, but you generally said it, that you know people have begun underrating his abilities on the court. I also agree with you on that. I think people are now reaching that point where they're like, oh, can he even start? I've seen that a few times. I'm like, yeah, shut up. Of course he can. Like, that's right, that's right. not the issue. But one final note, and 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 this it's actually more of a question or just a lingering thought. I'm wondering, Brian, if Simmons personally is even open to not playing point guard because he made such yeah, a yeah, fuss yeah, yeah. of it. Like the whole I want to be a point guard thing, which was very Jalen Rosey two thousand year the year two thousand. Um like I wonder if that really genuinely matters to him. In which case, if there's a deal to be found where he goes to a team and he plays like the three or a small ball four, like would you even dare do it? Because you know he would just complain about it and say, no, I want to be point guard. And I've been a point guard <laughs> since I was in Australia. Right. And I'm entitled and I want what I want and nothing can change my mind. Yeah, I mean, that's been the Sixers problem for most of his tenure like he insisted right. on being that archetype of player and that made them choose certain paths along this rebuilding process that in retrospect they they would regret oh you're talking about jimmy butler uh, jimmy and you know markel i think was, was another one where because they wanted him to be they wanted a guard to be able to play on and off the ball with Ben. Yeah. And that's what drew them to Markel. And, you know, obviously it didn't work out. I still think the logic behind Markel was solid because you, yeah. no one really oh, yeah, knew yeah, yeah, what yeah. happened. Like, I don't have yeah. a problem with that, but I mean, it just didn't turn out well. My problem right. at the end of the day, and I've said this to you privately as well, I think I've also said it on this podcast plenty of times. I I think the, the era was not firing Brad and then not trading Ben after you got Jimmy in, after yeah. you had that half year stint with Jimmy, just basically say, you know what? We can see that you and Joe are working. We right. want to enforce this. Let's get Brett Brown out of Dodge and let's trade Ben while his value was sky high, by the way, yeah, for a package that just surrounds you with shooters and ball handlers and defenders. And like, I am not even ruling it out, Brian, that if they had gone that route, they might have had a ring right now. But would I have to tweet about hashtag Sixers culture if they did that? Because honestly, I might choose this path if so. <laughs> well, you know what? You you might, but I know you too well. I know that you would have bought into it as, yeah, as well. Yeah. And you, you would have had a t-shirt with the hashtag oh, yeah. Sixers culture. You would have. Yeah. So, um, no, no, but I, just... I mean, it's, yeah. I, I really think when you have guys who are game changers like a Jimmy Butler, the worst thing you can do is not lean into it. Yeah. Yep. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, speaking of game changers, Mort, I want to bring up one other guy who is apparently at least potentially obtainable this between now and the trade deadline. And that is Russell Westbrook. This is also from... We're playing all the hits today, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. I'm sorry. I have to to cut you off. Oh, no. Another one? No, this is great news, Brian. Oh? DeMarge Rosen is out of health and safety protocols. There you go. There we go. That's good news. So that means we're we're de- if does do we then retract that to one so that we only right. have one now? Yeah, I was gonna say is that like a, a minus one? Okay, cool. <laughs> um, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report in this news dump on Tuesday reported the Lakers have held internal discussions on trade scenarios for Russell Westbrook. However, he yeah. noted moving Westbrook and the two years ninety one million on his contract seems unlikely. Um, he mentioned. Ben Simmons as a possibility. He noted the athletic. This was Shams Sharania in his latest insider notebook said the Lakers are one of the teams interested in Simmons. And he pointed out that, you know, there are only three ways to the Lakers to get Ben Simmons. They have to send out one of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, or Russell Westbrook, just in terms right, of right. salary. Uh, he did know Westbrook is not a player on the Sixers list of hopeful returns and conversations with the Lakers have never developed very far. Where are there any teams or any contracts or just any way you can see whether it's a two team deal, three team deal, whatever the case may be? Anything out there that makes sense for you as a possible Russell land Russell Westbrook landing spot this year? Uh, no, I will say the Lakers would really stand to benefit greatly from having a continuous Coldwell Pope and a Montrez Harrell. <laughs> Kyle Kuzma too. And Kyle Kuzma, there we go. Oh, yeah. I'm 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 never getting sick of that joke because God, that was such a horrendous trade. Um, honestly, no. That that's kind of the issue here. I mean, you could always get, you can always find something, right? If you trade for a worse contract, you can always get to that point. That's not a problem. Every player is essentially movable. You just have to, you just have to trade them for worse crap than what they're already on. Right. The the problem is with Russ, like, yeah, you can, <laughs> you can you can downgrade, sure, but to what end? Like, if you trade for a John Wall, which that trade has already been done, but yeah, let's just go right ahead with it. Um, like, well, how does that help you? How does that help Houston? It really doesn't. Like, I, what what? Who does that? Who stands to benefit from that? No one. Yeah. Right. The same with let's go with Kevin Love, right? 
and stuff for, for, for Russ. Okay, now you have Russ coming to Cleveland, and Darius Garland is holding down the fort at the point guard spot there. So even if you want to extend that into a three-teamer with with uh, Philly, with Ben, like you're just not going to give up Darius at that spot. You're not replacing Darius with either Ben Simmons or Russell Westbrook. You're running with Darius Garland. So those are out. Who else have bad contracts? So... Eric Pincus of BR brought up right. a couple possible landing spots, one of which was the Knicks, because they just have so many guys on these potentially matchable contracts. And we mentioned Kemba a few yep. episodes ago, or last episode, I don't remember at this point. Um, you know, he's on a roughly $9 million a year deal. He's not in their rotation right now. You have Fournier as well, who wasn't working out uh, to the extent that they would hope. Erlen Noel, Alec Burks. Oh, like, I like where you're going with this. Yep. So there, there are a lot of possibilities in terms of salary matching there. Mm-hmm. Uh, give it, give it to me. I know what you're thinking. I think. What? Russ. You're, you're thinking Russ ends up in NYC. Well, yeah. I mean, that's but that's that's at least a team where you could construct something that makes sense salary wise. I don't know right. if. Like I, I think the Lakers would have to send out more though, right? Like if it's if it's Kemba, Fournier, Nerlens, and then you have to do one of Knox, Selden, or Miles McBride. Oh, it's right? only a two team swap. All right, sorry, yeah. I thought you I thought you looped in Philly. Sorry. Okay. Oh, now I got oh, you. Oh. oh now I got you. Okay. Yeah, so it's a straight on Russ for yeah, for ooh. so roster spots is a thing. Roster spots would be a, or they have to just wave. They either send guys right. out or they'd have to just like wave Kent Bazemore, DeAndre Jordan, that type of thing. Yeah. But yeah, the Lakers would have to, oh my God. So they, let's say they send in Taylor Horton Tucker as well, which is right. like 10 plus. What's yeah. that? <laughs> 54 million in salary outgoing roughly. Yep. Yep. So that's that. I mean, you, you practically have to start with Fournier, Burks, Nerlens, Noah, Kemba. God. This is well. This is where it gets tricky in general, right? Because so yeah. Russ right now is the fourth highest paid player in the NBA. The only right. three guys ahead of him are Curry, John Wall, James Harden. I could go out on a limb and say the Golden State Warriors are not trading Stephen Curry for Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah. Same goes for Brooklyn. I don't think James Harden is going over to the Lakers for Russell Westbrook. I don't care how I many picks agree. the Lakers. The Lakers. I mean, another one of the problems is they don't have a ton of tradable assets outside of Taylor Horton Tucker, and they don't have a ton of picks that they can offer because they offloaded so many in the Anthony Davis deal. We've joked about John Wall, Russell Westbrook in the past. I don't, I don't think that's happening. And then you go down the list from there: KD, LeBron, Dame, Paul George, Kawhi, Giannis, Clay, Jimmy Butler. None of those. The the first name that I arrived at. Oh, and this God. is where you drop a bomb. If you want, if you want to really rile up Sixers Twitter, Russell Tobias Harris, for Tobias Harris, yeah. I'm not, I'm not touching that with a ten foot pole. If I'm sick, the Sixers, but oh, good lord! See, you also think that the Tobias is worse than I think, so that doesn't help because I, yeah. I would, I would never do that trade. Also, because. No, I, Embiid and Embiid and Russ, like I don't think that meshes at all. Even personality issues or or person, what it was like, 
Yeah, beef. they hate beef each aside. Other. They hate yeah. each other. Yeah. Yeah, they really do. Oh boy. No, you you're right. I mean none of those deals work. I mean, yeah. could we actually be looking at Russell Westbrook being untradeable? I don't know if he's untradeable, especially what if once you get past this year and when he's on an expiring. But No, no, but right now, like right now, is he untradeable right now because what team out there really wants him? Even if you take into yeah. account like trading for him the player, like ignoring contract, like right. who trades for him as a player right now? Well, yeah, I think not only the contract, like the contract is obviously the biggest complication and then right his warts as a player and then also the Lakers lack of things that they can include in the deal. Like if, if they had more picks or if they had more intriguing young guys, they could include like that might spice things up enough for some team to take him on. But because it's like, Oh no, Russell Westbrook is the main piece that you're trading for. It's like, really? You're, you're not, you're not paying us to take on $91 million to Russell Westbrook over the next few years. Unless as a condition of the trade, he agrees he will not pick up his player option. Right. In which case, like maybe OKC takes him on, but again, you would have to give up Taylor Horton Tucker or picks or pick swaps or whatever. Like, I just the the only other one that that stands out as a possibility here is Kyrie Irving. Like, assuming that this renewed optimism of him rejoining the team that goes away. And, you know, New York makes it clear, like, we're not taking the vaccine mandate away. Like, he, it's, it is crystal clear that it is going to last through at least June or July. He is not going to play home games unless he gets vaccinated. He continues to right. refuse to get vaccinated. Would Brooklyn consider reuniting the OKC3? There's one more team, Brian. Uh-oh. You're going to love this. <laughs> Boston? Mm-hmm. With Horford? Horford and Marcus Smart. <laughs> yes, call it in. Call it in right now. I mean, look, I, I'm I'm kidding oh. because I know Boston would never do it and their fans would, would just oh my god, they would oh. they I don't they would burn down the team, I think. But oh my god, I love it. They do oh, need a point a guard. Idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got Robert Williams. He could be your center. You're fine. You don't need Al Horford. Right. Anthony Davis yeah. doesn't want to play the five, so Al Horford, perfect. They can right, both there be you fours. Go. Right. You just have to <laughs> find the salary mat or the roster mat. So you, I don't even know. The, uh, it really depends on whether or not the Celtics are hard capped. Uh, I don't think because... they should be because they only use the taxpayer mid level on. Schroeder, right? All right, yeah. yeah, okay. They'll have to go even more deep into the tax, though. Sure, but okay. <laughs> I love this. What a great idea! Oh so my it's, god! So it's Russ. <laughs> Russ is so, like DeAndre. So yeah, probably whatever, like a minimum guy. But I mean, yeah. so the starting lineup in Boston would be Russ. Oh god, Josh Richardson. Jalen Brown, well, Jason, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why the Sixers are holding out. They're hoping that Boston trades for Russell Westbrook, and then Jalen Brown demands his way out this summer. 
I don't. Actually, I don't know. I mean, good I, on you, Daryl. I, I'm not <laughs> saying that that I want this to happen because, unlike you, I don't have an inner hatred towards Boston at all. Sure, sure. But there's a part of me that kind of wants to see if, like, the two J's get a higher level of appreciation for each other <laughs> in their situation yeah. after having gone through the Russell Westbrook experience. Right, like Jalen Brown stops being mad about Jason Tatum's seven of thirty nights when Russell Westbrook has a four of thirty plus eight yeah. turnovers. Exactly. <laughs> like maybe they just need to go through a really rough time together yeah. to come out on the other side. Like if Andy Dufresne, the man who crawls through a river, what was it? Three football fields of shit and came yeah. out clean on the other side. Um no, but like I don't know. Maybe, maybe that works. Maybe that's exactly what you need for oh, Jalen and Jason. I love that idea. So this might be my your the best idea you've ever had on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. like I, you know, so Pincus brought up the Knicks. He brought up the Pelicans, which we I flew, I sent this article when it went live. To our friends Mason and Schmidt, and Mason, of course you did. Mason did not enjoy that suggestion very much because uh, it would have to be like Devonte Graham, Josh Hart, Sadoransky, and Jackson Hayes is enough salary, and you can have a starting lineup of Westbrook, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Zion, Brandon Ingram, and Jonas Valanciunas. But okay, <laughs> that's. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> great thank you that, that's, that that's a good sounds, way to put it okay uh, yeah <laughs> that sounds horrible uh yeah. like minnesota a d'angelo russell package but minnesota i don't think wants to give up d'angelo russell so it is just Kristaps porzingis for russ but he's been playing well this year and he seems to be happier in dallas now and luca and russ seem like an awful combination together like i I just do not see a trade out there unless like unless Philly just gets so desperate and is like, you know what? We don't want Russ, but we'll like send Russ to a third team. We'll take their stuff and we'll send you Ben right. Simmons. But I just don't even see like what third team out there wants Russell Westbrook over Ben Simmons and has enough stuff to send to Philly to get them to send out. Benson like it just why wouldn't you just trade for Benson if it's instead yeah, yeah exactly no it's it, it really feels like more than every other season this year the league just has like a bunch of players who are all hot potatoes yeah yeah right there's there's definitely like someone's gonna come up with like a five or six team trade yeah that solves everything for like Portland Indiana Sacramento <laughs> Philly yeah. throw in the Spurs in there like at Boston as well. Like I know it's out there. Let's get Terrence Ross involved. Cause send him out of Orlando. <laughs> like let's just fix everything in one fell swoop. Yeah. In, in one guys, trade. A lot of guys need new teams. Like let's just, let's cut the crap. Although the NBA would be so sad if like all of this trade deadline hullabaloo all ends because Daryl Morey cooks up a seven team trade over Christmas. And now we have some weird news about Russell Westbrook. Oh, God. He's been Speaking upgraded of. and available oh. for tonight's game in Minnesota. 
Ha! What? So is that a false, a false positive? positive? Yeah, it would have to be, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, come on, man. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy for Russ, and I hope he's okay. Yeah. But I was also very excited that I had legit spoken in Isaiah Thomas as the Lakers starting point guard into existence. It's okay. Maybe. Maybe there'll be one game where we get it still. All right. Well, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up. So thank you all, as always, for listening in today. Please follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio. So give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, wherever else podcasts are found on iTunes. Please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We're being hosted by Spreaker. So check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, man. Um, by the way, Spider-Man. Oh yeah. I mean, I I I don't even. So the one thing I could think of when it came home was back in 2007 when the first Transformers came out. Um, Shia LaBeouf said, "It's not a movie; it's a rock show." Oh. And that and and that. That 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 quote always sat with me because whenever I watch movies, like sometimes you have so much energy in a movie that it kind of feels like an event and not just a movie. Like you're actually attending something that's more than a movie, which I didn't feel that way about Transformers, but I felt that way with Spider-Man in a way that it was the single best, you know, movie theater experience I've ever had. Mm. And it's not even close. Like, yeah. not even when when Cap picked up Mjolnir in Endgame, when everyone went crazy. No. Mm-hmm. No. This this is the best MCU film ever. And, Brian, you know, I'm going to say this now. They have now raised the bar to a point where I am going to be super disappointed if they don't, from here on out, start taking themselves just a little bit more seriously because they prove really? to me now that they can make movies that aren't that m- typical Marvel cookie cutter thing where it's the same mm-hmm. formula copied over and over again. I went through every human emotion over the course of two and a half hours. Wow. They can do that. And if they, if Marvel decides, you know what, we're actually going to focus on making movies that also touch you more than just, you know, give you fighting scenes and, and one-liners mm-hmm. dude then then we're in for real i mean i this movie should win an academy award i'm not sure for Damn. what i'm still trying i'm i'm oh. still trying to figure it out i i know i wouldn't even put they should it should get nominated for best picture just because it wow. got everyone involved it's it's fantastic man so um yeah to go see it i mean hell bring the kid i don't care just take everyone doesn't matter <laughs> Well, I would like to thank the world for having Omicron and preventing me from doing anything in public <laughs> for the next three to four weeks, but I will catch it when it comes out on demand. Or hopefully maybe maybe this will cause Sony to release it to some streaming service and I'll pay like fifty dollars to see it early. Oh, you should. Yeah. It is it is worth it. Yeah. So yeah. In the meantime, nice. don't die, man. Thank you. You too. Stay safe. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.